Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionists and dietitians from Nutritional Weight and Wellness. We explain the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned for practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through real food nutrition. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling groovy. Good morning. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. Today's show about acid reflux is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Now, you might not be aware that about 30% of people frequently experience acid reflux, also called GERD, G-E-R-D, which is which just stands for gastroesophageal reflux. We'll probably just talk about that as GERD for the show. That's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a very chronic problem. It's a common condition that affects the digestive system of both adults and children. Many people experience a little heartburn or indigestion from time to time. But if it's a weekly occurrence or regular occurrence, that condition over time can actually lead to something called Barrett's esophagus. That's a disease that can lead to esophageal cancer. Mm. So this means that preventing acid reflux is a really important long-term health goal. My name is Cara Carper. I'm a licensed nutritionist. And I'm super excited to be here today with my co-host, Shelby Hummel. She's also a licensed nutritionist. I have a master's degree in holistic health. Shelby has a master's degree in clinical nutrition. And over the years, we've helped hundreds of people put their acid reflux into remission. And we're not talking about for medication, but with Mm -hmm. natural ways. So that's really what our show is going to be about today. So really, Cara, what you're saying is when... When we work with people and when we are able to help them put their acid reflux into remission, really what you're saying is there are hope for people out there who have indigestion here or there, Mm -hmm. people who maybe have chronic heartburn or people who feel like they're uncomfortable all the time. Yeah. We have options. We have helped all of those different scenarios, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's the occasional annoying heartburn Mm -hmm. or whether it's keeping you up at night and you can't sleep or you're like sleeping in a recliner, you know, we can get to the bottom of it. And you may be surprised. We are not going to be talking about the little purple pill today (laughs) as the only option, right? That's right. That's right. So, Cara... Good morning to you. Good morning. Great Blistery to be here. Blistery morning. But I know. It's really Three great below <laughs> for those of you who are not in Minnesota. <laughs> you see us both in our scarves and <laughs> pants. Yes. But really, you had mentioned before one of the reasons why we are so passionate about getting people help is that there are actually some other health conditions, some situations like esophageal cancer that could be the end result of acid reflux or heartburn that is not actually addressed, mm-hmm. right? So I want to bring some research mm-hmm. right away this morning. want to make sure you listeners are awake. Um, we're talking about a study from the Mayo Clinic. They found that 5% of people with acid reflux in the study developed what is known as Barrett's esophagus, which, Cara, you mentioned is kind of setting the stage for esophageal cancer. It's that precursor. So having recurring acid reflux is much more than just being uncomfortable or having to sleep in a recliner. Recurring acid reflux is actually a dangerous health condition. 
It really is. We just wanted to let listeners know that because I don't think a lot of people have heard of Barrett's esophagus. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. People have heard of esophageal cancer. Um, But acid reflux, it's a really common problem. You know, if you're listening, you probably know that it's even common for babies to have acid reflux. And we know certainly it's common for teens and adults to have acid reflux as well. It might come as a surprise to you that women seem to be more affected by acid reflux compared to men. So, and if you've had it, if you're listening and you've ever had it, even just one bout, and I'll share my one situation later in the show Mm -hmm. that I had, you know it impacts your quality of life. Now, Cara, you said that it can be common in babies, teenagers, young adults, adults, older adults, Mm -hmm. but we have to remember that common does not mean normal. Just because it's common doesn't mean that that's normal (laughs) to feel that indigestion, that acid reflux. So if you are showing signs of reflux, that means we want to take a closer look at your nutrition. Now, no surprise, as nutritionists, we take a different approach to acid reflux than many other healthcare practitioners. Um, you know, we we don't necessarily beat up on conventional medicine, but we just know that in general, when you're going to your primary care doctor, they are looking at a quick fix, right? It's more of a Band-Aid type approach that's treating the symptoms and they may not necessarily have enough time to get into the root cause. Um, so that's where a nutritionist comes in, right? They may be prescribing an acid blocking medication, um, for example, like an H2 blocker or a proton pump inhibitor. Listeners, you may know those as, you know, omeprazole or Prevacid or, you know, some people Mm -hmm. take over-the-counter Tums, kind of a wide variety of those um, medications. But as nutritionists, we know that we want to look at the root cause of that acid reflux, which to be honest, more often than not is what people are eating or drinking That's causing Mm -hmm. irritation in the esophagus, in that upper digestive tract. Most people, including a lot of doctors, really believe that acid reflux is the result of too much stomach acid. How often have we heard that? Mm -hmm. Oh, I have heartburn. I have too much acid. I better take an acid blocker. Mm -hmm. I think this is a really, really big misconception. Um. And we're going to talk more about the research that proves the opposite, actually. Yeah. (laughs) That we as nutritionists understand that acid reflux most often results from people having not enough acid in their stomach. Now, is that that's probably a big surprise. (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) Not enough stomach acid. That's correct, though. Now, not having enough stomach acid can be caused from a lot of different factors, It can be caused from stress, poor diet, maybe not having enough what we call good bacteria or Mm -hmm. probiotics in Mm -hmm. the gut. The good gut bugs. Exactly. And I think you are going to share some research about not having enough stomach acid and how common that really is. Well, and Cara, it's not just you and I. It's not just the other nutritionists at Nutritional Weight and Wellness that understand that it's not enough acid in the stomach. There's actually other doctors out there. So it's not just our opinion. <laughs> We're not just going against the the um, proton 
pump inhibitors, the acid reducing. Um, I want to bring you some research. Most people assume that heartburn is from too much stomach acid when actually the opposite is true. So I want to bring you some information from Dr. Jonathan Wright. He is an expert on GERD at Tahoma Clinic. He actually reported that in his 25 years of conducting tests, so 25 years, there's some (laughs) time tests there, um, he found very few people with excess stomach acid. So that's Dr. Jonathan Wright at Tahoma Clinic. Very few people with excess stomach acid. And he even goes on to say, when we carefully test people over the age of 40 who are having heartburn, over 90% of the time, we find low stomach acid production. So interesting. 90%. So, you know, there might be 10% or so. Mm -hmm. It is possible to have too much stomach acid, but we just want to get the point across that it's very unlikely mm-hmm. that that would be the issue causing the acid reflux or heartburn. So, Cara, if we say that excess stomach acid is not truly the underlying cause of most heartburn and mm-hmm. GERD, then what is it? What are well, we going to talk about? Yeah, today? what are we going to talk about? <laughs> We're going to talk about that a lot of times it is related to food Mm-hmm. and beverages, mm-hmm. poor gut health. Um, I was going to share with, is this a good time for me to share? I think this would be my, great. Yeah. I call it my chili story. Your chili story. So um, I have chili. We have chili at our house on a pretty regular basis, mm-hmm. and especially in the winter when it's three below in Minnesota. Yeah. And so people kind of associate chili with, oh, chill, the chili gave me heartburn, Right. The tomatoes, the tomatoes, Mm -hmm. the spicy food, Mm -hmm. it's the spices in the tomatoes. So I've been eating chili for a really long time, never had heartburn. And then one night after having a dinner, I had this worst pain in my chest. Mm. It's the kind of I didn't know what it was because I had never experienced this heartburn before. Yeah. But for those people that struggle with this, I thought, oh, my goodness, it's you feel like you're having a heart attack. So uncomfortable. It's really scary, this Uh feeling in your chest. And so um, my husband said to me, well, it was probably the chili. But I said, well, I have chili all the time. But what I I had at this (laughs) birthday celebration after the chili, Mm -hmm. well, I had cornbread with it. Mm -hmm. I also had some cookies and some birthday cake. Because you are human. And some wine. Okay, I'm totally (laughs) fussing up here. But, you know, the cornbread. Mm Mm-hmm. The two, the cookies, the birthday cake and the wine, sugar, gluten, you know, that's really what I believe gave me the heartburn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just an excess of the sugar and the gluten. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because some of the other common culprits that people think of besides tomatoes and spicy food, they often think, you know, things like. Um, having chocolate or fried foods and things like that. But we're going to talk more about that mm-hmm. notion of food because although it may not be the chili that's the problem, we know that the sugar and the gluten can be. So if you're just tuning in this morning, you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. This morning we are talking about gut health and nutritional solutions to reduce acid reflux or heartburn. It may interest you to know that good intestinal health also supports a good immune function. And that's, I know that personally. When we come back from break, Cara will recommend a probiotic or a good gut bacteria that you and your children can take during cold and flu season to keep your immune system strong. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. During cold and flu season, we often think of hand washing, maybe extra vitamin C. Of course, both are really good practices. However, your gut or your intestinal tract is actually the cornerstone of your immune system. In fact, 70 to 80% of your immune system is located in your intestinal tract. So to support your immune system, we recommend taking two bifidobacteria supplements before each meal. It's really helpful for kids that are going to daycare or going to school. And it's obviously safe for kids. I gave it to my daughter actually when she was an infant and continue to give it to her today. And she's seven. So at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, we have bifidobacteria supplements available both in capsules and powder form. If you have any questions about that or about immune support, you can call our office at 651-699-3438. Also, we just want to throw out the number for the studio. If you have questions for us today, please do give us a call at 651-641-1071. Good. So when we think about... Um, our topic this morning, we're talking about acid reflux. And before we went to break, Cara mentioned that um, a common misconception is that acid reflux is because of having too much stomach acid. And we are actually coming out and and reminding people that that is not the case for most types, most causes of heartburn or gastroesophageal reflux disease, which we know as GERD, right? Most often, people do not have enough stomach acid, and that can actually be caused by stress, poor diet, or even a lack of good bacteria. So Cara was Mm -hmm. mentioning bifidobacteria for the immune system, but we would also talk about bifidobacteria to help support good digestion, reducing those symptoms of acid reflux. But... I want to talk briefly about the food part, right? Here at Nutritional Weight Mm -hmm. and Wellness, we always say food first. So I want to share a client's story. I have a client um, that I bet many of our listeners can relate to. You may be thinking, oh, she's describing me exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've been working with this client for some time now. And when we first started working together, um, she was experiencing terrible acid reflux during the night, right? Kind of interfering with her sleep and kept asking a lot of questions about, well, why is it that you're not getting good sleep? And um, she would experience reflux at night, sometimes after eating. To be quite honest, she was experiencing acid reflux all the time. So she had been prescribed and was taking a variety of acid-reducing medications, which is um, typically what you're getting from your primary care doctor. Um, but for our listeners, that would include things like Nexium or Prevacid or even Prilosec. Zantac, I think. Zantac would one. be another, yep, or Pepsid. Um, but really, this particular client, she wasn't finding that that seemed to help long term. And so she finally decided to give nutrition a try. So we kind of took it one step at a time, changing what she was eating for breakfast adding in some good supplements with good bacteria. And then, of course, we had to break that wine habit Mm. every night, right? Drinking more water than wine. And that can be a big culprit for people is, you know, wine and beer. Mm -hmm. And Shelby, you told me that her acid reflux symptoms went away and that she even vacationed in Costa Rica without any heartburn. 
But then you also told me that it returned over this past holiday season. So can you just explain to listeners what yeah. happened? Why did it come back yeah. after being gone? Well, and I think what happened, you know, she was really excited that she was able to vacation and have some freedom from that acid reflux. Um, but I think what happened was life, right? Like so many of our clients, they get this glimmer of hope. They see some improvement and then maybe they fall back into their old habits. So for this particular client, first thing that happened was her mother was hospitalized. And unfortunately, hospital food is just not as good as what we make at home. And so that was really the meal that kind of flared back her acid reflux, eating hospital food. Um, but then I think the the nail in the casket here was really a holiday meal. She okay. had a pasta meal. And of course, there was red wine and those holiday treats. Okay. And so that really is what set things in motion. That makes a lot of sense. You know, so the pasta would likely contain wheat or gluten. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, for a lot of people, that's going to cause inflammation in the intestinal tract. And that alone, I think it's that combination, again, for a lot of people, the gluten grains with sugar, like you had mentioned, wine, resulting in food backing up and this acid reflux. Yeah. Once that inflammation response starts, I mean, for some people, it can take days, maybe even weeks to really calm that down and get out of symptom mode again. Exactly, exactly. And this particular client, she was saying that the reflux was really intense and she did actually make an appointment with her doctor who prescribed an acid-blocking medication. Symptoms, you know, helped a little bit with the symptoms, but she knew that she just didn't feel her best on those acid-reducing medications. She knew that she tended to have lower moods, low energy, and so she was really committed to that nutritional change. Not only that, she knew that those acid-blocking medications can weaken our bones, make it a little bit harder for us to um, break down our minerals. So I think after you know a few little bumps in the road over the holidays, she understands really how sensitive her digestive system is to gluten mm-hmm. and wine and sugar in general. And I think, honestly, I think she's willing to say no thank you to the bread, to the pastas, to the cookies and the sweet rolls, basically any of those processed foods. And I know she has another um, trip, another adventure coming up. Um, She's actually going to Ireland and I know she'll do just fine. Um, She's going to be free of that inflammation and that pain. I have not personally been to Ireland, but it's amazing to Mm -hmm. hear some of my clients with celiac disease and even um, gluten sensitivity, they're so excited because they can eat a lot of things in Ireland. Well, and it, you probably assured her because of the research that we were talking about earlier, 50% of people in Ireland are thought to be gluten sensitive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have actually been to Ireland. I have My grandmother was born there and I have a lot of family there. Oh, how and, special. You know, restaurants and even pubs are offering a lot of gluten-free options. They have gluten-free menus. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be a huge relief for her. So listeners, can you relate to this? Did you also experience maybe worse acid reflux than normal over the holidays? If so, it could have just been kind of a combination of things. Christmas cookies, 
Maybe it was that pancake breakfast that you had. You know, all that stuff just adds up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, Cara, I know we're talking specifically about the food piece of this, and we will talk a little bit about supplements as we continue with our show. But do you want to take a caller? We've got a call about, um, I'm assuming, kind of in relation to the probiotics that we were talking about. Jan, good morning. You have a question for us on dishing up nutrition. You know, I do. I will be taking um, amoxicillin for a week uh, after having dental surgery, and it's, Mm. it's a protocol they do so you don't get an infection. Yeah, yep. And I know that uh, the antibiotics will kill all the good bacteria that I've been building up. Um, How can I build up the good bacteria as I take the antibiotics at the same time? What kind of protocol do I do? (laughs) Oh, Jan, I just want to give you a big high five. You are (laughs) thinking ahead and knowing that if you're going to have this sort of exposure to antibiotics, you want to make sure your gut bacteria um, has some time to recover. So kudos to you. Thank you. Yeah. So, Cara, when you think about mm-hmm. um, someone who is going to take antibiotics for a week or, you know, 10 days or some short amount of time frame, mm-hmm. what sort of things would you recommend for them to make sure that they support the good bacteria and their immune system? Yeah, well, I would definitely recommend what we talked. I don't know if, Jan, you heard earlier in the show, we were talking about the bifidobacteria supplement. Yes, and I take those. Wonderful. Okay. So, you know, I don't know if you're taking ours. We, a a lot of other places also would have powder or capsules. So those are kind of the two options. Um, And I would just stick with the dose that we had recommended for improving gut health for acid Mm -hmm. reflux, which is two bifidobacteria capsules before each meal. Mm -hmm. Okay. Or you could also do the equivalent would be about a half teaspoon of the bifido powder before mm-hmm. each meal. And okay. it's important, Jan, because you're taking the antibiotic, you want to make sure to take those good bacteria, the bifido bacteria, about two hours away from your antibiotic, right? Because we don't want them to be competing. Okay. Um, yep. And I would say, um, you know, maybe a month or six weeks after, make sure that you're getting some good fermented foods, sauerkraut, oh. um, pickled um the Bubby's pickles, things like that. Some of the good bacteria. So okay. thanks for your call this All morning. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good luck. <laughs> Looks like it's time for our break. Yeah. Yep. We are going to take our next break. You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition next Saturday, February 2nd. You don't want to miss Nell. She's going to be sharing how she maintained a 90-pound weight loss for the past eight years. She will talk about her personal commitment to her health. Her struggles, of course, and how she became honest with herself, changing those self-defeating habits into positive habits that have moved her into lifelong health. Tune in next week to hear Nell's inspiring story. We'll be right back. Knowing how to eat the right food can change your health, change your body, and change your outlook. That's what they preach at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, and Christy is one of their success stories who proves it. Yeah, I battled my weight all my life, tried many different diets, and then had gastric bypass surgery, but gained all the weight back. And that's when you heard about the 12-week Nutrition for Weight Loss class they have at Nutritional Weight and Wellness? I did. I heard about it on Dishing Up Nutrition, the radio show, and decided that it was a good thing for me to try. And how did it work? It worked great. I took the Nutrition for Weight Loss 12-week class. I lost 40 pounds. And more importantly, I feel good. I'm healthy, no aches and pains. I sleep better than I ever have. It's just perfect and 
personalized for me. Could Nutrition for Weight Loss help you like it helped Christy? You can take it in person like she did or take the class online. Find out more at weightandwellness.com or give them a call 651-699-3438. Welcome back. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. On Saturday, February 16th, we're offering our Menopause Survival Seminar. So if you're perimenopausal, menopausal, postmenopausal, this class offers healthy nutritional answers to whatever issues you might be experiencing. Here's just a sample of the interesting facts that the instructors are going to be sharing. 75% of women in menopause experience incontinence, and in many cases, simple nutritional information can help incontinence, such as... You know, getting rid of soda, especially diet soda. Mm -hmm. Diet soda can increase the incontinence problem. And diet soda can also cause unwanted weight gain. So they're going to be covering really interesting things like Mm -hmm. that. You can sign up today for the Menopause Survival Seminar by calling 651-699-3438. You can also go to our website, weightandwellness.com. And again, just going to give out our studio number today. If you have questions for Shelby and I live, 651-641-1071. Yeah, and Cara, we actually had one other um, caller who didn't want to stay on air. And she it sounds like she had a question about um, bifidobacteria and how that would relate to a garlic sensitivity. Um, just without having any more information, um, hopefully that caller is listening Um I would encourage you to call our St. Paul office number, and I'll give that out. It's 651-699-3438. And and just let them know that you want to pass along a message to me, Shelby. Um, Let's maybe see if we can connect with that caller off air and get a little bit more information. We would love to um, make that connection and kind of help this caller. So if you were calling about a garlic sensitivity Call the St. Paul office and we'll we'll try to help you out there. But before we went to break, we were talking about stomach acid. And we want to make sure that our listeners really understand when you do not have enough stomach acid, you cannot fully digest the proteins you eat. So think about this. Instead of moving that food from your stomach into your small intestines, you actually have undigested food sitting in your stomach longer than it should be. So you may be uncomfortable after eating. You may be bloated. You may start to feel that acid coming Mm -hmm. back up into the esophagus. Some people also get gassy, uh kind of that cold, bloated and gassy feeling. Uh Yeah, exactly. So when we think about the undigested food, sometimes that backs up into your esophagus. Right, along with a small amount of stomach acid. Mm -hmm. And the acid burns, and that's what—that's the symptom of acid reflux. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. If you had sufficient acid in your stomach in the first place, your food would have been broken down, and that food would have moved out of the stomach and into the intestinal tract without any incident, and there would be no acid reflux or without heartburn. Any problem. You're right. And so when we think about your stomach acid, that is supposed to be breaking down the proteins like chicken or turkey or beef or eggs. And that stomach acid breaks our proteins down into smaller molecules 
called amino acids. Now, most of our listeners have probably heard about the uh, amino acid called tryptophan, right? We eat Mm -hmm. turkey that breaks down into the amino acid tryptophan. And it's these amino acids that help build our muscles. They give us good energy and they create important brain chemicals, Mm -hmm. our neurotransmitters, right? So if we stay along the same lines of turkey, breaking down into the amino acid tryptophan, when that tryptophan is used as a brain chemical, we know that as serotonin. Right, right. A lot of people hear about serotonin. Uh We want more of that, right? It's the happy, Mm -hmm. feel-good chemical. Mm -hmm. And really, when we think about stomach acid, stomach acid is really that important piece to help our muscles, Mm -hmm. to help our energy, to help our moods once we break down that protein. I think it's so important that you brought that up. I don't think most people are thinking, oh gosh, if I'm taking an acid blocker, I might be, you know, then I don't have enough stomach acid and I Mm -hmm. might be inhibiting my muscles from building or my energy. Yeah, utilizing that protein that we're eating. Right, or having enough serotonin. Mm -hmm. And occasionally it's, it's difficult for clients to understand that when they take acid blockers, that's destroying stomach acid. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they're not able to digest their food properly. And so low stomach acid interferes with, like you just said, the digestion of the breakdown of proteins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that can, these are the things that it can lead to depression, anxiety, brain fog, fatigue. Weak, fragile bones. We're going to talk more about that. And that's exactly, Cara, why in the beginning of the show we talked, although an acid-reducing medication may work in the short term, it is really a Band-Aid approach, right? Mm -hmm. So low stomach acid can also lead to frequent infections. That stomach acid is designed to keep bacteria and yeast in check. Mm -hmm. It's also designed to make sure that we're not exposed to any foodborne illnesses, right? That's kind That's of the right. gatekeeper That's right. for our immune system and our digestive tract. I always think I just have a visual of, you know, if we have enough stomach acid, mm-hmm. we it's kind of, I, I picture it, this is probably not how it's mechanically happening, but <laughs> it's attacking the mm-hmm. E. coli or the staph or mm-hmm. it's attacking the strep. And we hear so much you know? about these, you know, Romaine lettuce being, you know, unsafe to eat. We hear about these uh, foods that, you know, are being pulled off of shelves because we have these foodborne illnesses. And really, in the big picture, of course, we don't want to be eating those things. But on a day-to-day basis, our body is designed to be able to kill any bacteria Mm -hmm. that we may be coming in contact with. So, you know, when you're not having enough of that stomach acid, the defense is reduced, right? We may actually see an increased risk of infection, specifically Mm -hmm. things like C. diff. Right. Oh, and that's a really big mm -hmm. problem, too, that C. diff, Mm -hmm. C. difficile can put people in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When you lack sufficient stomach acid, you can experience things like yeast overgrowth or excess bad bacteria, Kind of the ones we were just talking about, whether it's C. diff, E. coli, strep, staph. Um, you know, not having enough stomach acid can also lead to more sugar cravings 
and certainly more problems with the immune system. You're more likely to catch something, whether it is that virus that's going around or that bacteria that's going around. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so important to make sure that you treat acid reflux nutritionally and really get to the root cause because, again, that acid blocker is a Band-Aid approach. And that is the typical medical treatment mm-hmm. is to, you know, just here, take it, take an acid blocker. And a lot of them mm-hmm. are over the counter. Some are prescription, yeah. but they're both readily available. Yeah. And and top selling medications here. So, Cara, when we kind of step back and think about we've talked about the nutritional approach being kind of the safest way kind of getting to the root cause of that. What would be some other um reasons why we would want to help people stay off of those acid blockers, those proton yeah. pump inhibitors like Prevacid or Nexium or Omeprazole, Omeprazole. which Prilosec, yeah. I believe uh-huh. is the other name. Uh-huh. Great question. So those PPIs, proton mm-hmm. pump inhibitors, not only block the release of stomach acid, but they also make it very like impossible to absorb vitamin B12. Now, why do we need to make sure we're absorbing vitamin B12, Cara? <laughs> well, I mean, we need vitamin B12 for a lot of reasons for our brain health, for uh-huh. our nervous system. We need it for moods, for mm-hmm. energy. I think of B12 as those clients of mine who have a really hard time getting out of bed in the morning. So if you're listening this morning and you feel like you are really struggling with energy, and you're experiencing heartburn or acid reflux, maybe it's time for you to make an appointment with your nutritionist to kind of see mm-hmm. what's really going on. Right. I don't know if people are making these connections between the acid blockers they're on and low vitamin B12. Um, another thing that can happen is it can, you know, it can reduce the absorption of a lot of minerals that are very, mm-hmm. very important, such as iron, calcium, magnesium. Mm -hmm. So if we're taking acid blockers for an extended period of time, we are not absorbing magnesium, calcium, and iron. Yeah. So when we think about not absorbing those minerals, I mean, just off the top of my head, calcium, would you say that taking a proton pump inhibitor or an acid blocker long-term is going to set the stage for osteopenia or osteoporosis? Mm -hmm. Certainly. And there's a lot of studies showing that, that there's an elevated risk of osteoporosis um, when people are on acid blockers. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's increased risk of fractures, especially from wrist, spine and hip. Mm-hmm. That's actually from a meta-analysis in the Annals of Family Medicine from 2011. Yeah. So these are all things, you know, there can be deficiencies of zinc, vitamin D, vitamin K. We need all of that for bone health, as well as people know about calcium and magnesium as well. Well, I think after break, Cara, we should give our listeners some real food ideas. So um, we're going to take a break here, but you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. During the week of February 25th, we are opening up eight new nutrition for weight loss programs. This is our 12-week series that will have you feeling better and looking better so you can enjoy those spring outfits. Our Nutrition for Weight Loss plan is not a diet. It's also not a quick fix program, but it will provide you with the tools that you can use to achieve great health. 
If you're interested in learning more or signing up, you can call our office at 651-699-3438, or you can go to our website, weightandwellness.com. We'll be right back. We're back from break, and you're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Our topic today is how to reduce acid reflux and GERD with nutritional solutions. To all of our podcast listeners, we invite you to come to the Minneapolis-St. Paul area to take a class or a seminar in person. Now, if that's not possible, we have a lot of classes available online as well. We recently updated our 12-week Nutrition for Weight Loss series online, and Nell and Melanie both did an excellent job. Shelby mentioned earlier that Nell, who has lost 90 pounds and maintained that 90-pound weight loss... She wears clothes that are 10 sizes smaller. You know, she's going to be on next week, but she's also one of the teachers in the Nutrition for Weight Loss series, that the online series. So she teaches what worked for her and how she was able to overcome those bad habits that in the past were keeping the weight on. So again, if you live out of state, the online classes are a great way to be connected to our life-changing information. If your goal for 2019 is better health or weight loss or both, we encourage you to take our Nutrition for Weight Loss series online. And you can sign up by calling 651-699-3438. You can always go to our website, weightandwellness.com, to sign up as well. Now, Cara, before we went to break, we were talking about a few of the reasons why people would be encouraged to look at nutrition as their first approach for reducing, eliminating acid reflux. Mm-hmm. So when we ask the question, how do you beat acid reflux nutritionally? I start with food. I typically have that conversation with my clients about good digestion. Now, we know that protein, cooked vegetables, and real fat, those things are really quite easy to digest compared to the gluten grains, the crackers, milk and soy products, and even, you know, other beverages like soda. So when I'm talking with my clients, I know that some of them may be sensitive to gluten grains. Some of them may be sensitive to other foods. Now, since each person can have a food or different foods that they are sensitive to, we know each person is, is unique. We ask the questions. We continue to ask questions again to try to find the root cause of their acid reflux. And oftentimes when I'm in a counseling session, I try to give people real food ideas in terms of mm-hmm. things that they could make, you know, some cooked vegetables that would be easy for them to digest. The Really, the big picture here with food is that we want to remove the sugar and the processed foods. We want to remove the things that are hard to digest, mm-hmm. like gluten grains. And, and then sugar. We wanna, and sugar. And bring in a variety of good vegetables, easy to digest protein like eggs and cooked meats and fish. And we want to make sure we mm-hmm. have those healthy fats. Right. And I think it's interesting when you say easy to digest proteins. That's another really big misconception out there is that proteins are hard to digest. Mm-hmm. Um, well, first of all, if we have enough stomach acid, they are actually one of the easiest foods to digest. Yeah. So I always tell people if, you know, if they're saying, I just can't eat meat or it feels like it's just mm-hmm. sitting in my stomach or chicken, mm-hmm. the first thing that comes to mind is 
they probably have low stomach acid. They're mm-hmm. not able to break down that protein because protein should be very easy to digest. Now, where would you start in terms of, you know, looking at the food, but then taking that next step and looking at some supplements? Sure. Well, you know, after the the first initial conversation about food, which is where we want to start, I will start with recommending supplements. Um that are going to help correct the amount of stomach acid needed so Mm. that the foods can be broken down and digested. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the first thing I would do is to recommend two different probiotic, I believe just different species. So different Mm -hmm. supplements. Yeah. So the first, you know, we want to support the small and the large intestinal tract. Mm -hmm. So we're going to start with a probiotic that we already talked about in the show. And this is relevant for for babies mm-hmm. to age 100 or mm-hmm. older. You yeah. know, it's bifidobacteria. Mm-hmm. Everyone can be- benefit from bifidobacteria. And research has found that the concentration of bifido decreases as we age. Yep. So really the greatest decline is going to be in the elderly population. And if we don't have enough bifidobacteria, that can result in constipation, diarrhea, and gas. All those tummy troubles. Any tummy troubles, yeah. And the extensive research conducted on the health, the health benefits of bifidobacteria has found that it plays a really key role in maintaining immune function. Yeah. Cravings for sugar and cravings for carbohydrates like crackers, cereal, mm-hmm. bread. So our recommendation is two capsules of bifidobacteria before each meal. And that's for someone that has acid reflux as yeah, well. Yeah. And then, Cara, we're also talking today about another probiotic um, that we often suggest to help raise that acid level in the stomach to make sure that those foods, especially proteins, are broken down. So that one is known as lactobacillus acidophilus. And most of the time, we just call it acidophilus. <laughs> just like bifidobacteria, you can take acidophilus in either a capsule or a powder form. I personally really like the ultimate acidophilus capsules that we carry. I normally have my clients take two of those at bedtime, but you can also take our powdered acidophilus, which is called Dophilus powder. Now, with the powder, you would be taking about a half of a teaspoon mixed into a little bit of water at bedtime. Um, But if you think about that word, the root of that good bacteria is acid, right? So we know that it's going to naturally help us have the right amount of acid in our stomach. And as a result, our digestion gets better, Mm -hmm. right? So that's one little unique. We take the bifido during the day, like Cara said, two before each meal, and we take the acidophilus at bedtime. So that's kind of the foundation, those Mm -hmm. two probiotics. Yeah. Also, you know, it can be really helpful to be taking digestive enzymes that have some acid in them. And Mm -hmm. so some helpful information that I've learned from being a nutritionist for over 10 years is if someone's experiencing gas, bloating, maybe they're, you know, burping after a meal or they have that acid reflux, typically people have a 30% decrease in stomach acid by the time they're 30 years old. Mm. They have a 50% decrease in stomach acid by the time they're in their 70s. So that means half the population in their 70s do not have enough 
stomach acid. Yeah. And so when we think about the hydrochloric acid, we like to talk about a product called OrthoDigestZyme. And that's something that you can get online at weightandwellness.com or in any of our seven office locations. But Cara, with the last few minutes here, how does hydrochloric acid help with acid reflux? Well, what it does is it reduces gas by helping to break down those carbohydrates before they start to bubble and kind of ferment and produce more of that gassy bacteria in the small intestines. That's right. And so I think the supplement that you were talking about, that orthodigestime, is going to be a really critical one for anyone experiencing acid reflux. Yeah. And we want to be taking that with meals. And so I think we just have like a... Yeah, I think seconds here. The show went so fast. Yeah. So thinking about real food and good digestion with probiotics and that digestive enzyme. So our goal at Nutritional Weight and Wellness is to help each and every person experience better health through eating real food. It's a simple yet powerful message. Eating real food is life changing. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please share your favorite episodes with a friend or leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Product statements have not been evaluated by the FDA.